Welcome to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. My name is Susie. I'm an American Gen X woman living in Berlin, a martial artist, violent crime survivor, and the founder of Pretty Deadly Self-Defense. And I'm Tavia Benjamin, a.k.a. TSK Benjamin, a millennial Jamaican woman living in Kingston. I'm a poet, author of the book Words Beyond the Page, and a social entrepreneur. We're exploring the kinds of violence women around the world face, the different ways we defend ourselves on a daily basis, and of course, sharing self-defense tips and techniques as we go. If there's anything you'd like us to explore, send us your questions and comments to hi at teamprettydeadly.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. Ready to kick ass? Yep. Okay, let's go. Hey, Tavia. Hey, Susie. How are you? I'm all right. Thanks. How are you? That's awesome. I'm good. It's a good day. Good. So we have an interesting topic today that we've never talked about on this show. I don't think (laughs) I say that. (laughs) You think I would know, but I don't know. Self-defense for the office. That's an interesting one. That is an interesting one because that kind of stuff still happens. Meaning not necessarily that you get mugged in your office, of course, just for clarity for any of our listeners in case they think I'm talking about something else, but about sexual harassment and violations that happen in an office and work environment and what that means for women, why it's such a problem and how we can help ourselves in those situations. Definitely. I mean, how do you defend yourself against a, sometimes in a lot of cases, boss, who thinks that they're entitled to you and your body because of their Mm -hmm. position without feeling threatened that you're going to lose your job if you speak up against this person. Right, right. That's the biggest thing, I think, that that isn't often realized that women, you know, HR is not your, HR doesn't exist for the employees. HR exists for the executives. I've heard that many times and it's it's actually sad. (laughs) They're there to meet the company's goals and not to for you as an employee. Exactly. But a lot of women won't speak to human resources because, because they know that their jobs are in jeopardy and really can't take the risk. You know, I mean, there are some people who have been trying forever to get a job and they finally get one. And then there you are in this horrible situation that you can't leave because are you ever going to get another job again? Mm-hmm. you know, in a tight economy. So it's putting women at such a massive disadvantage, which is of course how the whole Me Too movement got started, that, you know, it's an abuse of power because there's nothing that a woman can do about it without putting her job in jeopardy. Yeah. Right. I mean, theoretically she should be able to do things, but that's not really the reality. So how do you defend yourself from a boss who is being a creep? Or a coworker as well, but let's stick with the boss because that's definitely the harder one to deal with. We, we actually teach some of these things. I think that you can send signals to your boss that let him know or her that your space is being violated, and that let them know, let them give them something to think about. Put it that way. Okay. So one of the things that we teach, for example, and so I'm just going to preface all of this that I used to work for a law firm in Los Angeles. I was not exactly a legal secretary um, and not a paralegal. I was somewhere, I was called a word processor. So I was somebody who like just typed up all the legal stuff all the time. But we often did a lot of double duty as legal secretaries. 
So we worked in these same environments with bosses and it's not like lawyers aren't creeps because they're creeps. So (laughs) sorry for any lawyers listening to this show, but it's true and you know it. So (laughs) as she says, like as that she then gets sued by every lawyer everywhere ever. So one of the things that bosses do is they put their hand on your shoulder to look over, you know, like they're hovering behind you to look at your computer screen while you're typing away. Um, And sometimes they'll put their hand on your shoulder. I I can't do it correctly, but, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like here. How's that document coming, they say, as they lean over your shoulder, putting their hand on your shoulder as though they're putting their hand there to keep their balance. But really... They're touching you and they shouldn't be touching you. Why are they touching you? Mm-hmm. Why are they touching you at all? So there's a, a few different things we can do in these situations, whether it's the hand on the shoulder, the hand on the knee, the staring, whatever. But I'm going to start with the hand on the shoulder. So one of the things you can do is you can scratch an itch. So even if you do this now, if you're listening, if you kind of curl your fingers so your fingernails are touching your shoulder right? Kind of up by your neck. And then you scratch out towards the shoulder joint, right? If you do it just to yourself, it kind of hurts. But if you do it across somebody's knuckles, it's really painful. So it's a scratch directly across, like horizontally, Mm. right? But it's not like horribly painful, but it's shocking. So you want to do it enough so that they feel it, but you also want to make it look like you're just scratching an itch and, oh, you didn't even notice that their hand was there. Yep. Right. So you're not overtly defending yourself against them. You're not putting yourself in a position where they can say like, oh, now your job is in jeopardy. You'd mm-hmm. be like, oh, I, I just didn't even notice your hand was there and my shoulder was itchy. Scratch. Yeah. Right. So that's one way we can we can deal with it. We can also use our elbows, you know, to make space. We can stick our elbows out. We can swing our elbows back and we can make we can cover all of these things with natural movements. So again, they can't say like, oh, you did this thing and now your job is in jeopardy. You can just be like, oh, you know, I'm just stretching. I'm just just swinging my arms because I needed some space. (laughs) You know, any one of these things is okay. I'm just putting my hands on my hips to make space around me with my elbows, right? But I'm also really thinking hard about what you just said. So this is, I'm taking this position. So we can use all of these things, you know, again, as a cover for what we're really doing, which is trying to get them off of us. Yeah. And give them a signal that I'm not interested in what it is you're doing or you're making me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then in in those situations where, you know, sometimes these uh, advances come in the form of quote unquote jokes. And so Mm -hmm. they will make certain kinds of jokes that has certain innuendos and things like that. How do you show that? Listen, I didn't find that funny is not to engage, not to engage in it. You know, how do you do that in a way that isn't overtly saying, hey, back off, but gives them an idea? I'm going to go back to the hand on the shoulder, the hand on the knee, because there's a similarity. So I'm going to segue from one into the other. So let's say you decide not to scratch your nails across somebody's knuckles or you don't swing your elbows into them. What you can do is simply name what's happening in a very flat voice. Your hand is on my shoulder you're touching my knee. It's just a statement, Mm. but it's letting the other person know that I I'm observing this and I'm acknowledging it and I'm saying it out loud. You don't even have to give any kind of inflection that you don't like it. Just that I'm making this array. I want you to know that I know that's Mm. basically it. 
but that usually makes people very uncomfortable. So when it comes to jokes um, that are inappropriate, you can use something really similar. And this has been done quite a bit. Um, I was reading about it in the United States. You can say, why is that funny? Mm. Well, because, you know, the guy was ha, ha, ha. Why is it funny? Just keep at how is it funny? You can even ask them to explain it to you. Explain to me why it's how it's funny. Because as they explain, they're forced to confront the fact that they're telling a, a sexist, racist, homophobic, whatever joke. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's that it's a neutral observational tone and you just state the fact. Okay. Not that not saying that wasn't funny. Just why is it funny? And not reacting in any other way. It's no fun to explain a joke. No. <laughs> it's no fun to have That's to explain anything. <laughs> yeah. So so not only do you put them on the spot, but you also kill the mood effectively. But in a way that, again... Protects you. Does, is, there's like protects you. There's no grounds to say, like, now this person has to be fired. However, that being said, that's not to say that your boss won't retaliate. Mm-hmm. You know, because men often punish, right? We talked earlier about um, a friend of yours in the grocery store who was approached by some guy she had vaguely met once before and was angry that she didn't recognize him or, or drop everything to talk to him, mm-hmm. right? So men often retaliate with being punished. You're not letting me have the kind of fun I want to have, and therefore, I'm going to fire you. Yeah. I'm going to, if I can't fire you directly, I'm going to create a bunch of scenarios that will make sure you get fired, that you cannot win. Mm-hmm. You're going to fail. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe that won't. We don't know. If it looks like that's happening, then get out of the job as soon as possible because there's no winning. No. I mean, there are what we call unions in Jamaica. I don't know how successful they are in helping women who face harassment or helping women in situations like that. From your perspective, whether in the U.S. or Germany, are there organizations who, outside of HR, are there organizations who assist women with that? Where if you're experiencing sexual advances or inappropriate behavior in the workplace, can you get um, recourse without any risk of losing your job or any risk to your reputation or anything like that? I don't know of any that can alleviate those risks of job loss or reputation. Okay. It's just because because men will be vicious as all get out. So um, that's not to say you shouldn't fight because oftentimes you are entitled to financial recompense for being put in this situation or for being unfairly fired. And you should fight for that. Mm-hmm. But it's not worth staying in this situation. Because you're not going to win. If that guy is not removed from his position, he's just going to, con- he'll make your life hell for a while and then he'll get bored and then he'll just, he'll, you just will cease to exist for him. You yeah. know, which is not the worst thing in the world, but that might make it difficult to get your job done. Yeah. So, or even if advance. You can't, you, yeah, exactly. So just start looking for another job as quickly as possible. Sometimes that's not possible though, as we, started talking about at the beginning of this episode. Sometimes this is all you've got and it took you a long time to get here as well. Right. So that sucks. Stay as long as you can. Don't apologize. That's the most important thing. Don't go back to that boss and be like, I'm sorry. I was a little harsh. I'm sorry. I scratched my nails across your fingers. I'm sorry. I made you explain the joke. 
Exactly. Well, because then they're going to, they're going to recognize that, oh, I've got some power over this person now. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to go even farther and I'm going to just, I'm just going to push that envelope every single time. So if you go and apologize or try to make amends, they're going to use that against you. True. I, I say this with a level of certainty because that's the kind of people they are. If they've done the violation in the first place, like everybody knows now, there's nowhere on earth where anybody's like, oh, really? You're not supposed to do that at work? That's nonsense. Exactly. Right? So, so <laughs> if they do it anyway, then yes, that's the kind of person they are. True. So don't, don't go apologize because they will weaponize it against you. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it, we've been talking about sexual advances or harassment in the workplace and how women can defend themselves against that. But then there's also other types of harassment or ways that we need to defend ourselves from. Uh, You know, are there, do we talk about physical attacks or do we talk about emotional abuse, whether it is someone, how they, they treat you, how they speak to you, how they alienate you in certain circumstances. And in this case, it could be male or female. You know, how do we defend ourselves in the workplace in situations like that? Physical abuse or physical violations are difficult, actually, unfortunately, in the workplace because HR is there for the executives and not for the employees. And you have to have some kind of evidence, which can be difficult to get. And even that isn't always enough. Physical abuse, if you're experiencing that in the workplace, I think is that is grounds for using self-defense. Definitely. To me, that feels like that's the time to to put somebody in their place and let them know, you know, if you do it again, I'm going to respond again in this way. Mm -hmm. You know, and yes, as a woman, unfortunately, the way things are right now, you will probably get fired. But try and document everything as much as possible so that you can then sue them. Because you should sue them. Get allies too. Yeah, and get allies as much as possible. Yeah, other yeah. people who would have experienced this. And, you know, you can yeah. speak about what is really going on in the space. But it's so important True. for us to acknowledge that the workplace in itself doesn't automatically make it a safe space. Exactly. It doesn't. It and doesn't. recognizing that helps you to prepare yourself for situations that may put you in danger or make you feel unsafe. And once you recognize those, you know, how do you protect yourself from it? How do you defend yourself from it when they do arise? Right. I think one of the important things to remember when women are being harassed in the workplace, whether it's, you know, a a sort of a light harassment or a full physical aggression, emotional, psychological, whatever it is, they're being harassed for territorial reasons especially if it's a bunch of men harassing women, it's because those men believe on some level that women don't belong there and they're trying to push them out. So again, I go back to, you know, you have to be the judge for yourself of whether it's worth staying there or not. Because if you've got a bunch of men doing this, you are not going to win that fight. Or women. Do we have situations where women are harassing other women? Because yeah, absolutely. of that we, same power struggle, that same idea that they are a threat to them in some way or another. Right. And they it's are, territory. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the question is, is, is this fight worth it? You know, is it worth me fighting for this job? You know, and that's, that is a good question. Sometimes yes, because it really is all you have, you know, and then you have to start looking for other resources to help you get through it. You know, try and find allies if you can, if it's people who are bullying you at work, you know, absolutely document everything and let HR know and let HR know that you're documenting. You know, because again, they might not be as sympathetic as you need them to be. So you can let them know, like, you know, just to make your life easier, I'm going to document all this myself. And I'm sending all the copies of my documentation to someone as well. So there's backup. Yeah, it's important. Especially if you feel you don't have any allies at work. But if you can find allies, find allies. You know, even if it's like, you know, you're working on the 23rd floor of some office and your only ally is the janitor in the basement, you know, so what, at least he's there, at least that's some, or she, you know, at least it's somebody to go talk to, to, because it's lonely, you know, if True. you're getting ganged up on, but remember too, that if you are in an office environment where you're getting ganged up on, that's probably an office environment where there's a lot of turnover because it's toxic, right? The space is toxic. and no one wants to be a part of that. Right. So it means that if they're they're focused on you in the moment and they're trying to get rid of you, and if they can't get rid of you, they're going to turn on somebody else because this is the game that they play, right? Eventually, somebody else is going to come in. Eventually, the whole thing is going to turn over. You may be in one of those situations where there's an employee who's like, I've been here for 25 years, and they're sort of the rule, you know, they rule the roost. Okay, fine. But Others will come and it will turn over and you can make allies as new people come in. And then it just requires patience and endurance, all of which sucks, by the way. None of this is okay. Because it takes a lot of energy emotionally and mentally to it does. be on this defense to, oh, I need to protect myself against these people. Like I'm here to work and I have to be thinking about how to protect myself against sexual harassment, emotional, psychological. Exactly. It's, it's it's a lot for people to handle. As we've been it's, talking it, about, it's it's important for each person to decide for themselves what's right. worth fighting. Is it worth defending myself in this situation or is it worth staying in this situation? Is self-defense in this situation meaning that I just quit this job? <laughs> oh, yeah, or, exactly. You if know, you can. And but I would say if it if you're in a position where you where you can quit quit mindfully and with the best outcome for yourself, meaning go to HR and tell them, you know, these are the reasons I'm quitting. This is documented. I need a letter of recommendation from you or I publish everything. I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. <laughs> We're encouraging blackmail. <laughs> yes, I am. Absolutely. Because, because this happens to so many women. And it happens to men too, by the way. This isn't something that only women experience. There's a lot of bullying that happens in workplace situations that can, for men, it may not be sexual harassment so much, although that can also happen to men in workplace situations, but it can be another kind of physical bullying, right? And people get, they get pushed out and they get, and, and there's nothing else. Yeah. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Go to HR and tell them this is documented and I'm willing to publish this. And it's, you know, recently I saw on Twitter that there was a Jamaican company who they were not making arrangements for this disposal of 
sanitary napkins. They're like, we're not paying for that. You have to figure that out on your own. You have to ensure you dispose of it yourself. They are not paying for that at all. And it was interesting because someone tweeted it and said, oh, a big organization in Jamaica is doing this X, Y, Z. But what was interesting is that they never named the organization. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people are commenting to say, well, if it is that we actually want these things against women to stop, then how we even speak about it needs to change. Because if we are protecting the organization by not naming them or saying, okay, we're trying to save embarrassment or not get someone fired or whatever the case is, then are we perpetrating those heinous acts against women by not speaking out and naming these people who are doing these things? Right, right. This is a really good point. I have been guilty of this. And it really, really bothers me that I have been guilty of this as well. I think that this is a whole episode in and of itself and something that, that we should explore more because I think it's a, it's, it's a really, really important topic across all levels of violence against women. Yeah. You know, and, and violence against different socioeconomic classes. It's, it's, there's racism in it. There's classism. There's, there's all kinds of oppression. It's just, it's another system of control. It's a fascinating subject, but, and it's one that I think really needs to change. So yeah, let's, let's, let's make that another, a future episode. Definitely. Definitely. Because, you know, we need to explore what our silence is doing. Is it helping or is it perpetrating? Exactly. Pretty Deadly Self-Defense is a self-defense program based in Berlin, but with coaches and trainers in a growing number of cities in Europe and around the world. If you want to join us just to take a course or to become a coach, a trainer, or even offer Pretty Deadly in your school or studio, let us know through our website at prettydeadlyselfdefense.com or find us through our app. Just search for Pretty Deadly Self-Defense in your favorite app store and download for free. And remember that all of our paid programs fund our volunteer work. So when you empower yourself, you're actually empowering another woman too. Thanks for being here. I'm Susie Pollock, and you've been listening to the Pretty Deadly Podcast. See you next week.